to grow on the go. Yeah. Haven't seen you for a while. We started every podcast that way because we really only see each other um, when we're podcasting. But we, we stretch it out. We, we have do. Dinner, dinner and long conversations yeah. and it's awesome. Yeah. And and tonight it seems to have uh, occurred to the family, meaning you and dad, that you don't you don't talk when I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we absolutely do talk. Okay. But it's been a intense few weeks Mm. you know he was hunting I was away he joined me but we were with friends and we didn't even have our own room oh dear no I mean it was it was fine we had a alcove in the main living area Ah. and yeah and then since you know what when you get back from being away like there's 500 million things to be done so so it's been a bit shocking to us that Christmas is like three weeks away yeah which is also dad's birthday yeah, so there's things to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, we have to have a, we have to have an administrative meeting <laughs> <laughs> and figure out some of the logistics of life in the next few weeks. Fair. Yeah. So I have been thinking lately mm-hmm. that I've been disappointed at the um, language that I've heard from people who call themselves Christians, mm-hmm. and. So I, I thought maybe we should look at what the Bible has to say about some of this stuff and and just talk about it a little bit. Um, the home I grew up in was super conservative. Like I never, ever heard either one of my parents swear. Mm-hmm. Once I heard my mom say something was BS, but like she literally she said, said BS. BS. <laughs> Even that's a bit wrong. And I, was, I know. I was a bit shocked, actually. Truly scandalous. I do remember... Um, my parents had a friend who was this, he was kind of like the Rambo. Oh, you don't know who Rambo is. I know who is. Rambo is. That's yeah, yeah. Super old. But oh, that's just um, like, yeah, like just the superhero of missionaries. Like mm-hmm. he was, he was kind of a wild man. And like he was, he got kicked out of um, Vietnam when the war was happening mm-hmm. because of, um, you know, all the missionaries had to leave. And so he, came home and went back as a war correspondent because Ah, he wasn't about to... He wasn't done. Yeah, exactly. And he was actually on the last plane that flew out of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, He was was a bit of a a Rambo. But I remember him being over one evening. I was in bed, but this guy had such a big voice. You could hear every Mm -hmm. word he said, no matter where he was in the house. And they were having a quite a passionate discussion. And he just let loose with some profanity. I don't remember specifically what words it was at the moment. And of course, I couldn't see my mom's face (laughs) because I was lying in a dark bedroom, but I could just imagine it. And I was obviously right in my imaginings because then I heard him say, um, well, I'm sorry, Glendine, but that's just how I feel or something like that. <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, a missionary swearing, that's upsetting. And then um, I remember, I, I actually wasn't upset by it, but I, I was a little bit shocked. And then, and then after Kendall and Dad and I were in the earthquake, you in know, in, in Haiti, yep. like devastating earthquake, not the recent one, but the really, really bad one 10 years ago. 
um, so there were media that were following us. We were we were sent by the Red Cross to Zellers to buy whatever we needed, you know, immediately. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of us had nothing. Like, We've we, been in the same clothes we, for we several no days. We had no clean underwear. Yeah. And, you know, some of, some people didn't have a hairbrush or a mm-hmm. toothbrush or whatever. So, yeah, so we were in Zellers and this um, journalist was following Kendall around and, um, you know, asking her questions and interviewing her about the experience. And she just kept saying, and then, holy crap, this happened. And then, holy crap. Yeah. And she just kept... Well, and- she was deeply traumatized. Well, of course. It's and kind of a not, wonder she said crap and not something I, else. And she's and she's also she would say not the most uh articulate person. Well, and particularly at that point in her yeah, life. Right? Oh goodness. She was yeah. really quite young. And she was she was in um university at the time. And so, um, she was throwing the word crap around a lot. Like, holy but, crap, this happened. And But it, 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 it struck people who saw it on the news report, right? Mm-hmm. Because it just seemed to happen really often. And probably in the scope of her entire interview, it, it wasn't that much. But yeah. it seemed like a lot the way it was captured on TV. And um, my mom said to me quietly after she saw it, she said, do you know, I, <laughs> I can't even say this on the radio, but she's like, do you know what crap means? It means blank, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I was raised in this super conservative environment. And I, you know, I, I think the way we need to guard our tongues and watch our words mm. has a has it goes way beyond, you know, using profanity. I don't I don't think God's particularly shocked by profanity. I don't think he loves it. I don't think it helps us represent him well. I mean, I think God has told us you know, whatever you say, speak it in love. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my principle. Of yeah, I know. Life. I know it is yours, but we're going to, ah! oh dear. I dropped my phone. It's yeah. fine. No one died. It's all good. Um, we are going to talk about what God says, what the, the Bible says about our speech mm-hmm. and also about um, the kinds of, of speech that are, derogatory mm. right so like i says like i says like i says <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Goes, and it, the type of speech that's correct <laughs> it goes way beyond you know the use of, of profanity um to paraphrase winston churchill we are the master of unspoken words but slaves to those we've said I love that quote because mm-hmm. it is so true that before you say something, while it's just a thought in your head, you have control. But once you've said it, it takes on a life of its own. The worst regrets of my life have been caused by my words. I, you know, if I would thought a bit longer about how they could be interpreted or if I'd weighed them more carefully, Often I wouldn't have said them, and I could have prevented a lot of damage. Unfortunately, there's no auto-retrieve system for our words. Once they've been uttered and received, they take on a life of their own. They're like a a social media post that goes viral, reaching far more people than the person who posted it ever intended or even imagined. And their scope doesn't end there. Our words have enormous power to change people's thinking and actions. They can inspire Think about Churchill's words, famous words during World War II. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. I mean, what a powerful 
thing to say, and it inspired Britain. Or Martin Luther's famous vision cast, I have a dream. But words can also incite hatred and violence. Hitler said, all great movements are popular movements. They are the volcanic eruptions of human passions and emotions stirred into activity by the torch of the spoken word cast into the midst of people. It's unfortunate that that's really beautiful. Yeah. It's really <laughs> it, it, poignant. It, it's very eloquent. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know what it sounded like in German. I don't speak German, so I can't tell you. But on this one point, Adolf and I agree. Words have tremendous power, both for good and for destruction. The Bible actually goes so far as to say that our words can invite people to live or invite them to die. Mm -hmm. uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. That tiny piece of muscly flesh has the power to inject into another's heart and mind ultimate good or ultimate evil. So one type of damaging words are lies. You know, we talk about white lies, mm -hmm. right? Lies that are are designed to not hurt someone's yeah, feelings. Yeah, well-intentioned lies. Right. Um, but still, white lies, flattery, exaggeration, incomplete truth, any comment intended to mislead the listener are all forms of lying. In Colossians 3, 9 and 10, the message paraphrase of the Bible says this, Don't lie to one another. That's fairly clear. <laughs> oh, okay. You've done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. I love that. Mm. So basically what this is saying is if our version of the truth wouldn't suit God, then it doesn't fit us either. It's so tempting to lie to get out of a, a difficult situation, a, pr a prickly situation. I, I've done that. You know, I, I have had times where I f have felt like I've been completely backed into a corner. And I caught myself lying just because I couldn't think of another alternative that yeah. wasn't unthinkable. Oh, me too. Oh, so, you know, that happens, but it isn't the right choice. Um, I've also experienced the agony of a seared conscience for days and even weeks later as I tried to figure out how to make it right without inflicting more damage. Mm -hmm. The awkwardness in the moment of, you know, lying to get out of a prickly situation is rarely worth the guilt or humiliation that follows. And a great example of this is when your dad was on a mission trip as the speaker for about, I think, about 200 high school students. One night as he was speaking, he spontaneously used an example that he hadn't planned to use. It was a story about something he had thought of doing, even intended to do, but had not actually done. But in that moment, in the middle of his talk, before a couple hundred kids, he impulsively decided to tell the story as if it had already happened. Immediately, even before he finished his talk, he was heartsick. You know what a tender conscience your dad has. Oh, yes. Right? High integrity. Definitely high integrity. And he hates it when speakers embell embellish their talks with, with stories that aren't true, that they claim to be true. So for him, the next 24 hours before he got in front of those kids to speak again, it was agony. He was deeply aware 
that bending the truth to make his point stronger was lying. It was sin. But he had to wait until his next opportunity to stand before the group to make it right. And so at the beginning of the next session, you could have heard a mosquito land <laughs> as Randy confessed his sin to his young audience and then asked their forgiveness. It was a great lesson to them and to him. He never wanted to experience that humiliation again. So there's lying. But there's other bullets that we fire into the hearts of those around us, including the unholy trinity of sarcasm, mm. abusive language, and gossip. They're different techniques, really, of putting others down, but they all have the same detrimental effect on the targeted hearts, which is shame. So first of all, let's look at sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Now, sarcasm isn't always intended to harm. No, I am among the most sarcastic people I know, and I very, to me, if you're being sarcastic to hurt someone, then you're being passive-aggressive. Yes. Um, and I'd Certainly try not to use uh, sarcasm passive-aggressively. Uh, usually I, I am truly just doing it to make people laugh. You know, I don't think of you as a sarcastic person. You don't think of me as a sarcastic I person? I make fun of you relentlessly. I, you, you do. Um, and I also check in pretty frequently to be like, was that too far? Yeah. Is that okay? And, and, and I do think it's um, the nature of the relationship is really important to take into consideration. Oh, yes. Right? Like, you and I know each other really well. <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> you were, like, the second person to meet me. <laughs> and we have a pretty close relationship. Yeah. And we love each other. And you know my heart. I know your heart. And you know that making fun of someone is actually kind of a love language for me. <laughs> it's how I express and, and, love. And and so that's what I wanted to say about sarcasm, actually, is that it does have so much to do with the nature of the relationship. Mm -hmm. If it's an ongoing inside joke between two people who have a, uh, a secure and loving relationship, it really can be hilarious. But in a lot of cases where we use sarcasm, there is at least a small risk that our meaning will be misinterpreted, even mm -hmm. when we think it's clear. Uh, yeah, and even with people, mm -hmm. you know, we know well. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I check. In, I try to, anyway, check in a lot and go, was that too far? No, uh, uh, you do. And and it, 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 I can't even think of a time where I felt like it was too far. But unless we know, um, unless we're with someone who knows us and mm -hmm. knows our communication style really well... Mm -hmm. I think it's best to avoid sarcasm. You you made the point, and I think this is so true, that sometimes our use of sarcasm has the goal of sending a critical message that we're just not courageous enough to deliver directly. Yep. Right? Some It almost conveys the idea that, you know, the hearer is so dim-witted or unworthy that they're not worth the dignity of an honest, mm -hmm. thoughtful response. Mm -hmm. Right? So... You know, people listening in on a conversation might enjoy our clever wit if we're sarcastic. But the, the target, if, if, you know, it's not in the kind of loving relationship we've just talked about, the target absorbs the painful impact of the barb. And, it, you know, if it isn't kind, it isn't brave. And it doesn't foster understanding or connection. If you can't bring yourself to directly say what you really mean... If you have a criticism, then you shouldn't say it at all. And this, I would just real quick note, would mm -hmm. say this extends to the internet. Um, yeah. There's um, weirdly, 
the West Wing was on a lot in our house when I was growing I up. I loved the West yeah, Aaron Wing. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin is an incredible writer. Yeah. Um, not much for political drama, but the writing is just so great. Um, and I believe there's a storyline where someone delivers, like, dead flowers or something to someone with a really cruel note. Yeah. And someone says, like, basically the, the idea is, like, you should never write something you're not willing to sign your name to. Um is what I remember from it. I was a child, so um, and and so that goes with the, you know, with with the internet. You should never write anything, including a review, a comment, and and I am not innocent of this. Um, but if you were not willing to say that to someone's face, you shouldn't write it down either. I agree. I agree. Um, we had a pastor at our church for twenty five years mm-hmm. who would not read anonymous mail. Good. And I, yeah, I think it's I think that's really wise because if you're not courageous enough to sign your name to it, it's not worth it's not worth um, the hearer taking it to heart. Um, so let's talk now. We've talked about sarcasm. Let's mm-hmm. talk about abusive language. When I was a little kid, everybody knew the little rhyme about sticks and stones. Mm-hmm. Did you? Oh, yeah. Sticks and stones. I remember reciting it and being like, this is a lie, but yeah, it's the best that I've got. Big fat lie. This is the best I can do. Well, I, I don't even remember hearing it in the last, I don't know how many decades, but I think I know why. Yeah. We all now know that words can hurt us far more than broken bones. Oh, yeah. And I think... I think most of us know obvious verbal abuse when we hear it. Mm-hmm. But what about demeaning nicknames mm-hmm. or teasing about a, a physical or a characteristic or personality trait? You know, while these may feel like minor assaults against their target, at least by the person spouting them, mm-hmm. um, they might not even be intended to be malicious. But, you know, even a BB gun can do a lot of damage over time. Yeah. <laughs> I know a woman whose husband constantly joked about her small breasts. And she knew that he loved her. She knew he didn't intend to hurt her. But over time, his teasing eroded her confidence. It affected her when she was trying on clothes to buy, or when she was on the beach, or in bed. And ultimately, it took a huge toll on their marriage because he couldn't understand why she had such a thin skin, is what he would say. Mm -hmm. Well, we will never understand why someone has a thin skin unless we've been inside that skin. Mm -hmm. And since that really only happens in the movies, it makes sense to err on the side of sensitivity. If you use a nickname for someone or tease them uh, routinely, or in your case, use sarcasm, ask them in a serious moment how they feel about it. Yeah. I even... I even check in on like name names like name abbreviations um i know someone who goes by um and they're actually on the run from an abusive act so i'm not gonna drop the name that they go by right um but they go by a different name and um i asked them once like if, if you trust me enough can i ask like what was what was the name you used to have? Um, and and she said, um, Alicia. But then my parents turned it into a leash, like a dog. Hey, B word, come here. Um, mm. And so, like, if I didn't know that, and I, I wouldn't, but 
maybe I would have just started calling her by the name she was given, mm-hmm. not knowing the damage that's there. Right. Um, so, like, if you know someone that goes by Robert, maybe check with them before calling them Rob. Right. Even just as a matter of respect. That's kind of an aside, but... No, I no, I think that's totally relevant. Um, so, abusive words. Then there's also gossip is incredibly damaging. Um, in my book, Friend Me, Turning Faces into Lasting Friendships, I offered this definition of gossip. The sharing of information about other people, true or not, that causes mm. others to think less highly of them. Oof. I think the reason that we're so attracted to gossip is that it makes us feel superior. You know, if you think about it, we don't highlight the great qualities and achievements of other people in gossip, right? We talk about their flaws and their failures and sometimes even publicizing what they would rather keep private. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I weigh 100 pounds more than I want to and the target of my gossip bullet is slender... I'm not going to gossip about her weight, right? I mean, I might gossip that she's obsessed about fitness or something like that, but I'm not going to gossip about something that I see as a good thing. I'm going to choose a subject where I win the competition, Mm. right? I may target her specifically because my weight causes me shame and I'm jealous of her self-control. So I find a slice of life where I am more successful than she is, and that's what I attack. When gossip is threatening to escape our lips, I, I think there's a few questions that we can just pause and mm-hmm. ask ourselves. One is, why do I want to attack this person? I mean, just a moment of self-awareness. Why? What's going on with me that I want to say something unkind about this person? And secondly, what is it about her or him that highlights shame in me? And thirdly, How can I manage these feelings in a way that's healing for me Mm -hmm. and kind to her Mm -hmm. or him? Really, in the end, I think the words we say about others actually say a lot more about us Mm -hmm. than they do anyone else. Okay, well, let's talk for a minute about complaining. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can slump into negativity pretty easily. I love complaining. <laughs> I was a, a really bad complainer as a kid. Um, I think I've gotten better. I think I've, at the very least, I think I follow up my complaining with positivity or mm-hmm. try to be like, anyway, that's what I'm dealing with, but it'll be fine. Or like, but I'm working on it or like it. Well, and I think there's a place to be absolutely honest Mm -hmm. but there are people who just kind of um are what i call basement people there's basement (laughs) people and balcony people okay and basement people just want to drag you down to the cellar with them whereas balcony people want to lift you up okay right having lived in a basement for four years i'm a little (laughs) offended but that's fine it's not marginalize the people in the basements yes um I one of the things I've done to try to manage my positive to negative balance sure is to write three things that I'm thankful for every day in my journal and I try to think of new things every day it it really is a great way to gain a positive attitude that that will inevitably slip into the way we communicate 
Um, I remember hearing about a 90-something-year-old man named Lloyd who attended our church. Like most churches, our, our, our church has experienced a, a dramatic metamorphosis in worship style over the past few decades, mm-hmm. like in your lifetime, for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, absolutely. Many elderly people in our congregation feel quite marginalized by this, and some complain about it a lot. But I remember hearing that while while exiting the worship center one Sunday after a youth-led service, another el- uh, older man voiced his, his dislike of the music to Lloyd. And Lloyd's response was so beautiful. I hope I never forget it, and I hope this is what I'm like when I'm 90. He said, I don't love the music either, but I love those who do. And I, I you know... Love trumps everything. It right? really does, especially jealousy. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So if we love the people around us, we're going to want to lift them with truthful words of encouragement, encouragement and life, not drag them down with words of complaint and criticism. Um, we, we know both types. We all know basement people and balcony people. You know, you come home from an exchange with balcony people feeling energized and optimistic. And after an encounter with a basement person, you just want to jump off the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> there really is no need for negativity. Even hard words can be spoken with truth and grace. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.15 used the phrase, speak the truth in love to describe this reality. Even constructive criticism, criticism when it's necessary, feels encouraging when it's delivered by a balcony person. The reality is that unhealthy words come from unhealthy hearts, right? I mean, bragging comes out of what? Insecurity. Manipulation comes Control. from feeling and feelings of powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Powerlessness. Um, careless words. Reflect selfishness, and our desperation to unload shame has us constantly targeting people around us um, as more eligible game. Whatever's in our hearts comes out. In Matthew 12, 33, it says, A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. This passage compares our hearts and words to fruit. Galatians 5 uses a similar metaphor to show us the kind of conduct that God desires to grow in us. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit in our lives, this fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can certainly try to control our tongues, and we'll likely make some progress, but really only God's Spirit can produce spiritual fruit. He does this when we surrender control of our lives to Him, admitting our inability to consistently produce good fruit in our speech and behavior on our own. So this is the the challenge before us, right? That That our words will reflect the beauty of Christ and that through them, we will increasingly invite people to live instead of inviting them to die. I think that's something that all of us can kind of simmer on, um, which is good, because that is pretty close to it for us today on Grow On The Go. Mm -hmm. Please uh, do remember to follow us on Instagram, uh, Grow On The Go Pod. Yep. 
And uh, until next time, I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to grow on the go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 